Welcome to Your Leadership Matters by Audgers Bernson, a series diving into pivotal career moments and high-stakes decisions. Each episode, one of Canada's top business leaders will share personal reflections about critical moments in their career. So we're here today, Brad, to talk about a career-defining moment that you had. So I'm going to set the stage for our audience who may be less familiar with your story. So for over 25 years, you've held senior leadership positions at executive search and leadership advisory firms. You made a career out of placing exceptional talent within organizations across Canada and providing strategic direction to large teams across multiple lines of business. In 2003, David Shaw, who is the founder of Knightsbridge, asked you to join him in the very early days to help him realize a vision of building an integrated human capital organization. Although it was a compelling value proposition, it did certainly have its risks. You had been in a very promising position and that was stable with your current role, and you saw significant upward mobility potential. At the time, you also had a very young family, so that's a lot for you to consider. How did you go about navigating that decision, and what sort of conversations were you having either with yourself internally, with some of your mentors, and some of the other important people in your life like your family? You know what? Thanks, Brian. And, and it, it's an, it was an interesting point of my life. You know, internally, when you kind of approach a decision like that, you have to do a bit of an internal audit, right? A, a cost-benefit analysis almost about what you're leaving behind and what you're going to. So for me, I was at a very successful, very well-known, very public company. And the, the career track was very, very clear for me. But then I thought about the opportunity that, that uh, David was affording me at the time. And it was interesting. I really had to think about the, the different motivations. So for, for one, you know, up until that point in my career, I had almost been an individual contributor. And I'd really kind of wanted to get exposure to you know, more commercial and business terms, the idea of, you know, setting a strategy for a business, the idea of attracting and retaining talent and creating a value proposition, creating values, that, that, that was something that was somewhere deep within. And that was certainly a, a motivator for me. I think as well, the business model that we were starting at the David Shaw firm that uh, we chatted about you know, it was a completely new approach, a completely different business model that had never been really tested or validated in Canada. So to be part of that engine that would help create a market and create awareness around that, that was also really exciting for me. And the last part, I mean, I touched on it a little bit before, but being an individual contributor I, I hadn't been exposed to leaders who were big business or commercial leaders from other industries. And this opportunity gave me this chance to sit at a table at a relatively young age and be exposed to individuals from different industries and different competitive markets and see how they would approach business issues. So, you know, for all of those reasons, when I did that internal cost benefit analysis, um, you know, it's a process by which you, you look at the rewards, you look at the risks. And for me, the rewards at that period of time really outweighed the risks. And look, it, it helped define my career path. I wouldn't be sitting here today talking to you. And I'm, I'm happy I made that choice. Amazing. Was there anybody 
as you were having those conversations, Brad, that challenged your thoughts or maybe give you gave you a different perspective than than maybe you had prior to to going into those conversations? You know what? There there wasn't. I mean, for the most part, the individuals that I talked to very much were on side with what I wanted to accomplish. They would they would often point out, have you considered, you know, these types of scenarios that I would certainly build upon? But for the most part, it was very um you know, people people understood the decision and and supported it. Sounds like they were very valuable conversations, and sounds like you you had the conversations with the right people in your life. So, uh, in your early days of the new role, did did you ever have any moments where you're maybe worried that you made the wrong decision, or did you did you have any buyer's remorse at any point? You know, what was interesting for sure and without a doubt. I mean, as I mentioned before, we were going into a, a business venture where we were creating a new brand, a new value proposition. Um, and the business itself was very much equated to one of the dominant business lines. And so for reference, this was circa 2003. And, you know, when you, we were going to the market, we really had to educate the entire market, the entire client base about what it was that we were having to offer. The other hard part or another hard part was the idea of trying to attract and retain talent um, because this wasn't known when people talked about an integrated leadership advisory firm. You know, you'd get a lot of blank stares. And so you have to dig deep to tell them, share your personal journey. And, and you know, that helped bolster kind of that narrative a little bit. And then the hardest part was, you know, the financial part. And what I mean by that is there were months that we didn't know if we were going to make payroll. So, you know, if I were to use an illustrative part, you know, I went from a very predictable business where payroll was never an issue. It was a big international company um, to a point where the line of business I was in had a negative revenue month. And, and what is that, right? Like, that's just perplexing. That's, that's because we had no revenue. And one of our, our, our partners had a, a credit memo due to a client. So you take a look at that. I can laugh about it now when it becomes a bit of folklore. But at the time, you know, I had left a very, very comfortable role. And Sarah and I, my wife, you know, we had one child already. We had another child very, very close to being born. And, you know, again, as I touched on, that compensation was always very foreseeable for me. I had a clear line of sight around it. And I didn't know some months, you know, if we were going to be able to make mortgage payments. And, you know, you again, you have to weigh the pros and the cons, um, but it wasn't an easy decision on the personal side. And yeah, there were moments where you're like, oh gosh, if I could do it all over, but I'm glad I stuck with it. Right. And some of that adversity has helped you get to where you are today, for sure. And I can appreciate that those moments where not knowing if you're going to make payroll, that was a very different world than what you were used to. So you had made a comment about um, being younger in your career, being uh, at the executive table for the first time, shifting from being an individual contributor to more of a, a leadership role. Were there any moments where you had imposter syndrome? And, and if so, what helped you persevere through those moments? You know, 100%. Um, and, and for me, this is a bit of a, an age and stage question, right? As, as we both said, 
you know, I did join an organization where I was the youngest person by sometimes 10, 15, 20 years sitting around that table. So moments of intimidation, moments of insecurity, because my colleagues who I always learn from, they talked, you know, about experience and track record. And I looked at it sometimes as a very conceptual, you know, subject matter, as opposed to it being practical and pragmatic. So, you know, of course, you, 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 there are times where you'd be feeling very much like an imposter. Now you fast forward to current day, where I've been lucky to be involved with businesses and driving them to considerable scale and transforming and evolving. You've got your track record and you feel more comfortable making those decisions. It's never perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I certainly feel more confident than I did, you know, 20 years ago. And I'm sure going through that and and going through some level of imposter syndrome has allowed you at this point of your life to be a good mentor to others, having sat in those that chair in those uh, shoes previously to, to know what they're going through. Yeah, you know what? You just recognize what they're going through and it might be age and stage, it might be a new line of business um, and you can help precipitate that discussion because people did it for me, right? And, and you're right. Um, imposter syndrome there's probably not a lot of people who haven't experienced at one point in their careers. For sure. So you have a very demanding professional life, but outside of uh, the, the working hours, you also have four kids, you have a wife. Uh, how many pets do you have? Two, maybe three. So how do you possibly balance the demands of a, a very busy professional life with also a very busy personal life? Well, you know, I'm, I'm laughing because it's it's true. And a lot of people could associate with that um, I wish we had one. We don't, but if we, we could have a flow chart and maybe some <laughs> do-overs, that would be, uh, that would be perfect to kind of measure those personal and professional tensions because they're hard. They're hard for anybody. Um, you referenced it. My wife, Sarah and I were very fortunate to have four children, um, Hannah, Charlotte, Grace, and Max, and they keep us very busy and two dogs, Milo and Finn, who, um, also keep us very busy. Um, for Sarah and I, you know, we met in business school, so we're both a bit disciplined and balanced in our approach, um, both personally and professionally. I think for us, and the key for us is communication, right? Like you can never overly communicate because there are many junctures and many experiences where we had to cover off one another. That can be family dinners, that can be skating, soccer, ski racing, um, dance competitions. Um, but for the most part, we were able to really communicate with one another um, and to make sure that we were there to cover one another off. That helps a lot on the personal side. It's not always smooth sailing, Brian, by any stretch of the imagination. There were several times over the years, and our kids would attest to it, you know, that the wheels would fall off and somebody was waiting at a game or somebody was waiting for a school pickup. But for the most part, you know, you, you, you just have to go into it with your sleeves rolled up and, and think about how you can partner in that regard. So it's partnership in a, in a different vein, right? And it sounds like it's the foundation of communication. It's being able to put your hand up when you need support. It's being able to say, I can do a little bit more today. And it's it's being able to have that open line of communication with your partner. No, very much so. I, I think it's for any 
a couple, you know, it, it, it's the cornerstone of, of what you need to do. And again, both personally and professionally and where the two interplay. I'm exhausted just thinking about uh, the, the amount of miles uh, in terms of the, the runaround between Sarah and yourself, but uh, I'm sure it keeps life very interesting and life fun. That it, it does indeed. So difficult question because of the success you've had in your career, but what would you say would be some of the most important lessons that you've learned that you can share with us? Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, there are many important lessons that you garner and that you learn throughout your career. I would say one of the first ones that comes to mind is, and you'll hear me say it. I mean, we work closely many days, but I always like to go to the first principle. Like, and by that, I mean the root cause of an issue or a problem. Um, I do that personally as well, where I, I try and simplify and not overcomplicate something because sometimes there's layer upon layer upon layer and it and it it's not always easily nuanced but but for me really try to delve into kind of the root cause i think secondly for me and it's been a big theme throughout my personal and professional life is the the important role values play for me um i think you know just to call out a couple and and i think our firm does it very well across our colleagues but you know, that, that value of respect, right? Treat everybody as you want to be treated. That value of accountability. So, you know, we hold our colleagues and our colleagues to be accountable. I think leadership and organization should at least be equally accountable to their colleagues and their clients. I think, you know, third for me would be I, I try and approach a situation very much with an open mind and to be present. I think going back in sharp contrast to when I was younger and probably less confident, I'd almost, you know, pre-manufacture a solution going in and maybe even sometimes drive to that solution. I'm very fortunate we work alongside many um, really intelligent colleagues here at Audgers Berenson and forward-thinking individuals who will always, you know, push our thinking and challenge the status quo in a good way. And I think when you have an open mind and you're present to dialogue, you can, you can help navigate that and kind of and, and make sure you hear them. Um, and finally, for me, I, um, I think having a sense of humor and a positive disposition goes a long way. Um, I like to have fun at work. I like to have enjoyment both in the work environment and at home, I don't think, you know, having fun or sharing a joke has to necessarily be mutually exclusive from being successful or being ambitious. Um, and and in, in, especially in the workplace. Now, I like to think that I'm funny sometimes, but I, I'm not sure my kids always do. And certainly, I, I think some of their friends do, which gives me a, a little sense of uh, pride in that regard. I'm sure if your children watch this, there'll be an eye roll, but I, I can attest that I, you're, you're funny to work with. You've got a great sense of humor. And uh, I agree that makes uh, the workplace far more enjoyable. Thank you. You know what? And, and I appreciate that. And gosh, that uh, feedback right back at you. Appreciate that. And just going back to your comment about being open-minded 
That that sounds like that's been an evolution uh, of your thought process over the years. That that wasn't necessarily somewhere that you started, but through age and stage, that that's where you are today in terms of going into things with an open mind. And it sounds like that's a lesson that maybe you've learned in the workplace, but that's something that you bring to both your professional and your personal life. Yeah, I, I think you have to be, right? Because if you're too close to a scenario, you know, you're not really evaluating, you're not really listening. As I said earlier, you're not really being present. And, and I think you owe it to yourself, but more importantly, to your colleagues, to your clients, to your candidates in our, in our case, to make sure that you do go into every scenario with an open mind, because that's what change and evolution is all about. Absolutely. So somebody who's reached your level of success, oftentimes will have somebody who's a mentor, several mentors, or they'll look to model their career after somebody, in some cases, both. So is there somebody who's a person for you who's been that? Are there multiple people? What does that look like for you, Brad? Again, you know, it's a it's an important question um, because I would probably say there have been a few different mentors and mentors for me would come at different stages throughout my career or my personal life. I'll, I'll start on the personal side. I think my parents and my siblings, and unfortunately they're, they're past now, but our family had really strong core values. You know, we, we, came, we grew up in a small town and people were very respectful. They were very humble. They were very genuine, very authentic. And I do think that carries through a little bit of a theme, you know, for, for me on a personal level, but also on the business level. I think, you know, my family also had a good sense of humor. So there were, there was a lot of humor. And I think early days and even you know going back to my days practicing a lot like i would use humor as a little bit of a tool to address conflict or a sticky situation um and i think i continue to do that and i, and I for me it works and and i always will enjoy um you know kind of that bedrock that my family uh, helped me with um i think although I didn't do it for a long period of time, while well, practicing law, there was a very senior partner who sat in the office beside me and kind of took me under his wing. He smoked a lot because at that point in time, and I'm aging myself, you could smoke a lot in the office buildings. But he'd kind of bring me to his office if we were working on a file and he'd say, we got to be prepared and, you know, what's plan A and what's plan B and what's plan C? Um, and even though I probably inhaled a lot of secondhand smoke. Um, why? Probably I have asthma. But joking aside, you know, I do look at those times very favorably because I think he instilled within me uh, uh, the importance of having rigor and discipline and preparedness. And then I think, you know, a couple of mentors are, are very important to me in the leadership space. You, you mentioned David Shaw, who recruited me to Knightsbridge and was the founder of Knightsbridge. Um, and then certainly my, my current partner, Carl Lovis, who's the founder and chairman of Audgers Berenson, they helped me define what leadership means to me. And I think that's a journey for everybody. But, you know, it could be strategic leadership when you're setting strategy. It could be people and team leadership, how you handle your team. Um, it could certainly be operational leadership and certainly financial leadership. I think that's very important. And it could be the interplay 
the symbiotic relationship amongst all those elements of leadership. Um, they all really reinforced to me that, you know, as leaders, you can have very aspirational goals. You know, status quo is not really an option. But at the same time, it goes back to an earlier point, you treat everybody with respect. You know, you want them to feel like they were part of that build and they were part of the story and the narrative. And they're not just a byproduct to it, right? So, yeah, th that would be a cross-section of people that acted as important mentors to me. And it sounds like having the right mentors have been really important to you throughout your career, identifying those people, relying on those people, and being able to go to them in those defining moments where you need that advice. Yeah, you know, and, and mentors are, you know, at just a moment in time. You know, um, I, I think some of those individuals I continue to go to, right, and will always be mentors, whether it's now or whether... Um, you know, 10 years from now, you don't know what the timeline is going to be. But a, a mentor, a true mentor, doesn't do it from a checkmark perspective, does it because they're invested in the person and, and, and the person realizing their full potential. And I think that's a great point. So in the future, Brad, what lies ahead for you? What, what do you see for yourself, whether it be professionally or personally, as some of your goals? You know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we always try and think about the future. I would say... For me, on the professional side, I look at our current organization, and I think we've got huge potentially to, 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 together to realize. You know, we've made a lot of investment in our Canadian team. We've made a lot of investment globally at Audgers. Um, and I think it's exciting. I want to see our colleagues realize their full potential. And that could be, you know, whether it's on an individual contributor role, whether it's a corporate role, you know, whether it's in a leadership role as people kind of spread their wings. I think on the personal side, you know, I, I, my hopes and aspirations, my wife's and mine, you know, as it relates to our children, you know, it's hard. You just want them to have full and fun lives and, and make sure that they realize their own purpose and have passion to what they do. And then, you know, for me, I, I've been lucky enough to sit on some boards I'm lucky enough to sit on one currently at the University of Toronto. And I think I'll always want to continue to give back to the community. I think that idea of paying it forward as much as you can will continue to be a bit of a guiding principle for, for me. And, and I, you get more clarity around that the older that you get, you know. And again, it's a bit of an age and stage question and certainly timing, right? You, you have a bit more time on the personal side to give back as well. But those, those would be some elements that I would think about, you know, from uh, uh, what I would like to realize. And it's great that everything that you've done and all the, accomplish, all the accomplishments that you've had to this point, that you're still looking to do more, still looking to give back more. And really appreciate uh, you making the time to, to have this conversation today, Brad. And thanks for uh, all the stories and uh, all of uh, the, the information that you're able to share with us. I appreciate it, Brian. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it. Your Leadership Matters is brought to you by Audgers Bernson Canada, a premier integrated leadership advisory firm working to place and develop great leaders. You can find this and other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts.